We are going to do things a little bit differently this morning, and uh, you'll, you'll see as we unfold what's happening. I'll uh, explain a little bit here in a little bit. I will let you know that we do have our men's group that meets this Thursday, Thursday night, uh, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock at the uh, church office is going to be the meal, and I think uh, around quarter till 7. Uh, Sean, where are you? Quarter till seven, it's gonna, we're going to start eating around that time. So just make sure you're there by quarter till seven um, if you don't want to have the meal. Um, or, or actually, we'll start having the, the, uh, the lesson at about quarter till seven. So six o'clock is the meal, quarter till seven is the lesson. So let's go ahead and pray and ask that God would use today's uh, service. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would use every aspect of our message today. Pray, Father, that you would be pleased, that you would be honored with what goes on. Pray that you would help us to have our hearts and minds in tune with you. I thank you, Father, that you are drawing people to yourself. We thank you that it is your word that you draw people to. Um, we thank you that uh, we have a group of people here, a body of Christ, that is eager to worship you, to love you, to honor you. And I pray that that would be the case in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning, the, the title of the message today is Powerful Prayer. And so what I've done is I've invited some dead people to come and share some things on prayer. Of course, they couldn't be here physically, so I decided to just get some quotes from them. But I believe that there are some things that we can learn from the saints of old in regards to powerful prayer. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. Charles Pur Spurgeon said this, Shall I give you yet another reason why you should pray? I have preached my very heart out. I could not say any more than I have said. Will not your prayers accomplish that which my preaching fails to do? I certainly hope that that will be the case today, this morning. Is it not likely that the church has been putting forth its preaching hand, but not its praying hand? Oh, dear friends, let us agonize in prayer. Charles Spurgeon also said this in regards to the lost. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Isn't that incredible? The passion that he had for those that were lost. Corey, Corey Tim Boom, who survived the concentration camps, wrote this. Don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. J. Hudson Taylor, who founded the, uh, the mission to China, he said this, the prayer, the prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the places of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show you the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Samuel Chadwick said this, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. 
Hebrews 12.1 says that we have a great cloud of witnesses around us. And he's speaking of, the writer of Hebrews is speaking of the Old Testament saints that were the examples for us to learn from. Might I propose to you that some of these people that I just quoted are a more recent cloud of witnesses that we get a chance to learn from this morning. And we also get to learn from the Apostle Paul who, as he closes out Ephesians chapter 3, is going to help us understand what powerful prayer is all about. Paul is going to be talking about power in prayer, and in fact, he mentions it three times in these closing verses. Just for your information, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 14 to 21. We'll be looking at that throughout this service so make sure that you turn there and we will reference the scriptures as we go along. But in verse 16, Paul says this, that God would grant you to be strengthened with power. In verse 18, he says that you may have strength. The word strength there could also be translated power, that you may have strength to comprehend. And in verse 20, he says, according to the power at work within us. Paul is talking about prayer that brings power, powerful prayer. Oh, that we might grasp the understanding of the power that Paul is talking about today and that it would, uh, it would affect our life in a profound way. Now, Paul is going to close this prayer with actual praise. At the very end, he says this, for God who does far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. And so he goes on and he praises God for all the abundant things that God has done. Now this morning I started, we started thinking as a leadership team, how could we involve you in getting that praise? Because it's the body of Christ that should praise God. So here's what we're going to do. You can text your praise to us, and we're going to have somebody be the reader for you. We thought about putting microphones out, but you know what happens there. The people that don't mind getting up in front of people always speak, and those that are shy and bashful never speak. And so what we want is for you to remain anonymous and yet for your praise to be known. So this is the one you get a special dispensation of texting during the service, okay? You can text to that phone number, and that's going to go to my administrative assistant. She's going, to be fer she's going to be writing them down, and she's going to, at the very end, her and skinny legs are going to be reading off some of those praises at the very end of the message. Now, if you don't text, you say, well, what should I do? You'll see this uh, blank spot here. You could take notes, or you could write a praise that you have and put it in the offering plate. We will gather those. Just make sure it's legible so that we can read your writing and we will read off your praise and that will be at the very end of the service. So in this prayer, Paul gives kind of a prelude to what the prayer is about. Then he has two requests. One is for personal power and then the other is for church power and then he's gonna conclude in praise for God's power. And so what I want to look at right now for a minute is the prelude to prayer. Take a look at Ephesians 3 and look at verse 14 and 15. He says this in chapter 3. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Now, he is leading up to a time of prayer, but he says, I bow my knees. 
Now, why does he say that? He is in response to what he has just spoken, uh, spoken about, and he is going to his knees in prayer. He had just spoke about how God had given him the, 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 the privilege of making known God's grace about this mystery called the church. And he had just spoke about that in chapter 3 and how God brought Jew and Gentile together and how it was a mysterious thing that even the angels and the Old Testament saints did not understand, but they longed to understand how this would happen in this thing called the church. He also bows his knees because of the responsibility that you and I as believers in this thing called the church have. We have a responsibility of making known the brilliance of God. So that even the angels will learn from us. The demonic beings will learn from us. Lost people will learn from us as a result of them seeing united people working together for the cause of Christ. As a result of having that responsibility, Paul says, I'm going to my knees. I have to bow before the Father and I am going to pray that God would do something. Now he says this, he says, I'm going to bow before God. Now, it's interesting that posture is pretty important to Paul through the book of Ephesians. In chapter 2, he said we were dead in our sins. So obviously, they're laying down when they're dead in their sins. And a few verses later, he says, but when we come to faith in Christ, we are raised up in Christ. And then it says that we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. In chapter 4, he says that we can walk in a manner worthy of him. And in chapter 6, he says that we would take our stand against the schemes of the enemy. And now here in chapter 3, he says we kneel and bow before the Father. Now the word bow here, it reflects an attitude of heart. I don't know if Paul meant a literal bowing before God, but I think it's possible. I think it's possible that Paul, as he's writing these words in a Roman jail, was bowing before the Father right there and saying, God, I want you to do something special. I want you to work in this way. So whether it was a bowing literally or not, it was an attitude of the heart. Now notice what he says. He bowed his knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now this tells us two things about God. It tells us, first of all, his ultimate authority and also his intimate influence. His ultimate authority is that he is the father of all creation. He is the first father. There was no father before him. So because he's the first father, it makes him the authority. Now it does not matter if an individual says, I don't believe in God. That doesn't negate the fact that he's still the father. Somebody can believe that they were created from a cosmic goo. It doesn't matter. Because God's still the creator, it doesn't change that fact. And he is the ultimate authority by which we all are held accountable. But we also see the intimate influence in that the word father means prototype. Meaning that he is the example of all the fathers to come. Now this tells me as a dad that I have an, an example of a heavenly father that I get to learn from. Even if I had a rotten father in this life, I personally did not, but some might say, man, I had a horrible father. It doesn't matter. 
you have an ultimate father, the prototype of what fathers should be like, the perfect father in God the Father. And by the way, because he's God and because he's the example of fatherhood, he names what a father is. In our world today, we have a confused identity. Some say a father is two dads, or some say a father figure is two moms. Please understand, we don't have the liberty to redefine family. God is the ultimate authority. He has established a father and a mother in a household, and that is what he calls family, and the father is to follow after the prototype of what God is. And so this is how he starts off. This is his prelude to prayer. So on our first section here of prayer, what I'd like for us to do is for us to go to our knees in prayer, at least in our heart. Now, if you would like to bow in your knees right where you're at, you can do that. If you want to sit where you're at, that's okay. But we're going to have a time of prayer, and I'm going to give you some prompts. And I'm going to, you can do one of two things. You can either pray, pray silently by yourself, or you can hold the hand of, of the person next to you or three people around you, and you can pray specifically for the things that, that I'm going to be throwing out for you to pray for that are reflected in our passage. So don't be afraid to pray out loud with somebody. Uh, pray kind of silently in your group. But let's turn this house into a house of prayer. So let's go to a time of prayer now and uh, just uh, link up with somebody. And the first thing that we're going to do is I want you to take just a few moments to praise God. Praise God for the salvation that he has given you and for the privilege that we have to make known the brilliance of God. Let's take time to pray.
Father, we thank you that we can lift up our hearts as a body of Christ. It's so good to just lift up your holy name. And Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate example of of what a father is. You are the perfect. You are the omniscient. You are the all-powerful. And Lord, we know that we fall short of every one of those attributes. Those are things that only you can possess. But we thank you that you give us knowledge. You give us presence. You give us wisdom. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you do that. And Lord, we just want to give praise to you. We thank you for the work of the Father. Thank you for the work of the Son. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit who is actively involved in our lives. now goes to his first prayer that he's going to be given in verse 16. Let's look at that briefly. Chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says this. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, take note of the words that he uses. That according to the riches of his glory, talk about Christ's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. God's orchestrating all of this. You see the work of the Father, you see the work of the Son, you see the work of the Holy Spirit here. Now he starts off this phrase, he says that according to, or it can mean out of, out of the riches of Jesus' glory. Now, he's referring back to something he said earlier in chapter 3 
where he says in Christ we have this kind of bundle of riches. It's, it's what we start to realize when we first get saved. When you yield your life to Christ, he starts this transformation process and you realize that you're no longer a sinner, but you are now a saint. You're no longer the, uh, struggling with the old, but he has given you a new life. It doesn't mean that we don't have struggles. It means that he is with us through the struggles. He allows us to start forgiving. He starts, uh, he starts restoration of relationships. And there is a whole a bunch of riches that we start to realize in Christ when we come to faith in Christ. And he says, out of these riches, may God grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now the word for power here in the original language is dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamic or dynamite. It, he's talking about dynamic living power. Now notice that dynamic living power for the believer can only be realized through the Holy Spirit who strengthens us from within. So how is it that we live under the pressures of our every single day life? Well, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit who works in a Christ follower. How is it that we can conduct ourselves in a marketplace of liars and thieves? Because we have the Holy Spirit who gives us power, who works in a Christ follower. How is it that we have the power to raise, to coach, and to inspire our children through the different phases of life? Well, how can we do that? We can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit who works in our life in intimate, dynamic ways on everyday level. And we can do that because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit who comes and lives and resides in you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to reside inside of you. I think of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Paul wrote in an earlier letter, he said this. He says, therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for momentary light afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen, they're temporal. But the things which are unseen are eternal. And so this is the power that he is talking about. Now, just before we move to the next section of prayer, I want to encourage you in a couple ways. First of all, if you're not a Christ follower, you're not going to understand or know this dynamic living power that the Holy Spirit gives you. You have to be a Christ. This is kind of benefits of the family. When we yield our life to Christ, we come and the Holy Spirit lives in us and we have that dynamic living power. Now what I fear is that there are a lot of people in our society that have named Christ as kind of their mascot in life, but he's not really their Lord. They're a fan of Jesus, but they're not a follower of Jesus. And you'll know somebody that's made Jesus their mascot or made Jesus their fan 
because they often live in what I call cognitive dissonance. You say, what in the world is that? I just wanted to throw out a big word so that you could think I'm smart. No. Cognitive dissonance is that we live two contradictory ideas in our life. We say, yeah, I love Jesus, and yet in my life I can be sleeping around. Or I can have my girlfriend stay overnight and we can, we can sleep together. Or I can live in a way that's contrary to what the scriptures say. We might fool people around us, but you got to understand God's not fooled. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows the hidden secrets of our heart. And even when we feel like we've concealed it. Please understand this. Isaiah 59 applies to this person. I've, Isaiah 59, 2 says this. But your iniquities, the word iniquity means sin, your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. If you want God to hear you, it starts with a confession of your sin and saying, God, I need you. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a complete 100% follower of you. Now, the second application to this personal power is for Christ's followers. And that is this. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit's job is to exalt Christ in you. It's not Christ's job to exalt the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to exalt Christ in you. See, I believe Christians have a confused identity today because of what we've learned through our experiences or what we have seen on television. We have seen television Christian shows and we have seen people emphasize how important it is for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come down upon them or for them to give birth to praise through the Holy Spirit or for them to be... Uh, for them to have tongues of fire and for there to be Holy Spirit praise that comes in their life and Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that and a great emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Please understand that nowhere in the New Testament do we see such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus said this in John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things to come. His job is to reveal truth to you. That's his job. He will help you understand. And notice what Jesus said. He will glorify me. He will take of mine and will declare it to you. So in summary, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within the Christ follower. He helps us realize the riches that we have in Christ. And when he helps us do that, what happens is that we start to understand how we can live this out in a dynamic way. He gives us wisdom and how we work in the workplace, how we operate in our families, how we operate in society. He gives us that. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, and his job is to exalt Christ at all times. 
So during this next set of prayer, we're going to sing three songs. And during these songs, they are going to be prayers. Sometimes we sing and we don't realize that it's time to pray. And every word of these songs has been strategically picked so that we would understand what it is that we have in Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to praise him. But remember, if you haven't given that text praise, then you do so. But let's pray to God through these songs. The number's on the screen again for you to text a praise. We go to verse 17, and we're going to see the second prayer for the church power. It says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, there's the church, with all the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Paul likes repetition. This is the second time he encourages the believers to have their lives centered on Christ. So I think when something's repeated, we need to take notice that that's important for us, that we have our life completely centered on Christ. But then he adds two metaphors to it. One is a biological metaphor, speaking of a tree, uh, it's rooted and grounded, and an architectural metaphor, speaking of a building, that it, we would have breadth and length and height and depth. Now, take a look here. It has to do with love, though. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So the, Paul, Paul's prayers for the church to have depth in love, like a tree with a root system that goes deep. Paul's praying that they would have strength and power like a foundation that's built upon the cornerstone of Christ, and as a result of that, they will have breadth, they will have length, they will have height, they will have depth. They will be able to show and demonstrate God's love in that way. It's possible. It's possible for us as believers to really know that kind of power, church power, of showing the love. Now, it's interesting in verse 19, it says to know the love of Christ. The word know literally means to grasp to totally gain a full comprehension of, to utilize it in our life. Now notice that, this, notice that if we know this love, then we will then at that point be filled to the fullness of God. In other words, we will be fulfilled by God in a way that is not humanly possible to be fulfilled. No vacation can do this for you. No amount of money can do this for you. No success in a career can do this for you. What he is talking about is something that is supernatural, a supernatural fulfillment that we can have. Now let me illustrate this idea of fulfillment with a word picture. Think of a car. We put gas into an automobile because we want that automobile not to run idle because it wasn't made just to run idle. Can you imagine if your car was just there to run idle and to look pretty? No, it's meant to do something. It's meant to move. It's meant to transport. And it's designed for work. 
My friends, if you will, we are that car, and you and I are designed by God to move, to transport, to work. We are fueled by the riches of God's love that we receive. When we come here, we are fueled. When we hear God's word, we are fueled. When we spend time with God alone, we are fueled. And that fuel of God's love is designed to help us be motivated to move, to transport, and to work for God. How do we do this? How do we move? Well, we move from place to place in this life, and as we do, we go and we do what? We make disciples. That, that's the phrase that God gave us in Matthew 28. As you go, make disciples. As we move, as we move. When we transport, we transport from place to place God's love. And that love is going to come in tangible ways. At times, it's going to come by feeding somebody. Sometimes it's going to buy clothing for somebody. Sometimes it's going to buy a new washer and dryer for somebody. Some, and sometimes it's going to educate somebody. Love will come and in, in, be transported in tangible ways, and it will come through you. You have this opportunity as we as a body of Christ. And we will work. We will work in the way that we're designed. Now, I admit, when, they, when we come to working, some of us are designed different ways. Some of us are like an F-150. We're made for serious hauling. Okay, then some of us are a little bit more flashy, like a Corvette. No, this isn't you, Brian, okay? I, we're flashy. We're the out front person. We're the person that's doing public presentations. There's other, other, other vehicles that are like, nah, that's not me. No, no, I'm more like the Honda Fit, okay? I'm made to go long distances. Or you might be like the VW Bug. You're made for peace, love, and happiness. Whatever you are, whatever God has designed you for, he has given it to us so that we can move, so that we can transport, so that we can work for God. Let me give two quick illustrations of how I hope we do this in the future by giving an illustration of the past. In 2011, I took a group of people to Thailand, and our purpose was this. We had built a home for children, a home that would house up to 60 children. And many of the people that I took were people that were sponsoring kids, and even if they, uh, they were sponsoring kids or they were representing somebody from Maranatha Bible Church, where we came from, uh, to, to represent them to the children. When we arrived, those children were so elated. They had smiles on their faces. They had name tags on. They were ready with great anticipation. And I don't think this was fabricated. I don't think it was forced. I think it was natural because they had seen how deep and how wide and how long the love of God was long before we got there. They seen it because each of those children had been sponsored by somebody, which meant that they had food in their bellies, clothes on their back, and a bed to sleep in. And long before we came, they knew that our church had built them a home, which meant that they were safe from the elements. And now we were there spending our time with them. And I got to tell you, we had an incredible week, uh, two weeks. We spent time, we did Christmas in October. We, did, we uh, went to a movie. We had a carnival. We had all kinds of events with the kids. We rode elephants. We, we sat on the front porch and just had an incredible time. Uh, we went to a cultural dinner with them. 
And my wife and I got a chance to spend time with our adopted daughter, Dewey Dewey. Uh, Dewey Dewey was incredible. It was great to spend time with her, and it's a privilege for us to be able to sponsor her yet to this day. My friends, that's a way that we get to show love. In 2000, in, uh, this year, we're going to build, Mission View is going to build a brand new home in northern Thailand, and hopefully we'll take on 8 to 12 children. You'll hear about that more next week. This week, I want you to know that there is a ministry also. Here's our second illustration in Turkey. This past summer, I took a group there to build a relationship with Pastor Ramazan and his church. Now, I want you to know how I met Ramazan. I met Ramazan because Karen was in my youth ministry. I had lost touch of her, but I ran into her brother some time ago at Duma Meets. I was, this isn't an advertisement. I was there buying my meat, and I saw Josh. I'm like, hey, where's your sister now? And he goes, oh, she's in Antalya, Turkey. I said, Antalya, Turkey? You're kidding me. I'm going there for a conference. What a coinkydink. And I, I'll, have to get toge- I'll have to get together with them. The Lord would have it that we spent time together, saw their mission, national pastor, and what an incredible time that we had together. And now, down the road, we are partners in ministry. This summer, we took a team of people to spend time, and our goal was to really do strengthening and encouraging of the believers. You see, you've got to understand something about these believers. There's about 150-plus people in his church. All of them are converted Muslims you got to know that whenever somebody gives their life to Christ, there's an immediate disowning by the family, there's alienation by society, and there's discrimination that immediately comes upon them because they would call themselves Christ followers. And so they feel very alone in the world, and here they are in a city of about a million people, and it's one of the only evangelical churches in this entire city. So us coming alongside of them was a huge encouragement. We, what an incredible time that we had. And by the end of the week of just doing life with them, the people saw the depth, the width, the height, and the, the practical aspect of God's love. My friends, we have the opportunity in daily life to be able to transport this love to others. And I want to take time now, transition into our offering time and to pray specifically. We're going to pray for Jen Srail, but we're also going to pray for the specific new work that we're going to be doing this year. There is a couple, Hyrie and Layla. You'll see their picture, Hyrie and Layla. They were discipled and brought to faith in Christ by Pastor Ramazan. They have been trained for ministry, and now they are willing. They have moved to a place called Alanya, which is in the ancient city uh, or the ancient district of Pamphylia in the Bible. So this is really Bible time type of stuff. Turkey is where a lot of the missionary journeys were. And he's in a city that's 284,000 people, but it is a district of about a half a million people. And this is the only evangelical work that we know about that ministers to uh, Turks in that, in that city. The only one. We're in a city of 20, about 24,000 people with gobs of churches all over the place. But this is a place with a half a million people in that district. We're coming alongside of them. In 2015, Lord willing, we'd like to take a team of people to Alanya, Turkey, 
to do the same thing we did with Pastor Ramazan, to be an encouragement to him. And so we're going to pray that God would do that. So at this time, I'm, we're going to take our offering, but I'd like for us to pray for this minute, these ministry areas. Let's go ahead and pray at this time. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, that we can lift up these needs before you. We thank you, Father, that we can uh, take offerings that will support and be an expression of the love that we have. I pray, Father, that first of all, that our hearts would be so in tune with you that you are overflowing in love that we would not be, uh, that we would not keep for ourselves, but that we would really understand the big mission here. That we would understand that our offerings that uh, are going to a, a bigger cause to, uh, to support works like this. To support works like Jen Srail, who is working in Cambodia, learning the language, one of the most difficult languages in the world. We pray for Jen that you would keep her safe. Uh, just in uh, reading her email yesterday, Lord, there was uh, somebody trying to rob her next door neighbor, and so it's coming close to home. There are people there that are dishonest, and there are those that would want to hurt foreigners. We pray that you would have your hand of protection on her. But we pray, Father, that she disciples young ladies. She's already begun that process. Would you continue to be with her and encourage her? Lord, we want to pray, Father, for Hairi and Layla. We pray, Father, that you would do a work in this ministry as we get a chance to not only support them for give them support for two years along with maranatha but also to buy them a truck so that he can have long-term sustainability in creating his own income and so lord i pray father that you would do a work through our body as we give and i pray father that you would be pleased with that and lord finally we want to pray for first friends church lord for pastor stan henshaw Lord, they're proclaiming the gospel. They're, they're sharing the good news. Would you bless them? Would you encourage them? I pray, Father, that you would expand the work that they do as you expand our work as well. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him out with uh, praise for God's power. Take a look at verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.
Now, this praise is a, really a doxology, just like we sang to the Trinity, to the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He praises God who is able to do abundantly uh, more than we could ask or think. He recognizes the Spirit's power that's at work within us, and he finally states that it's to Christ's glory, because Christ is the one to be glorified through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise belongs to God because through the Godhead, the Jew and the Gentile could come together. Praise to the Godhead because through this mystery called the church, we can be a pillar of truth in society and we can be a pillar of love to those around us. Praise to the Godhead because true, pure, godly love can be shown to those that are in need. So in our final set, what I want us to do is just simply praise God. I want us to praise God in song, and then we're going to have some readers read off your praises. Let's conclude in that way. All right. No, we had, we had a lot of praises come in, actually. We were wondering how it would go, because you're not supposed to text while you're in church, but it turned out all right. So um, we'll, go, we'll go ahead and read back and forth through the praises that were shared. So first is praise God for my wonderful friend, Brian Walker. And praise God, my niece went back home this week after running away two weeks ago. She has now agreed to seek counseling. Praise God for my family and the joy they provide and the challenges it brings because it's the challenges that makes me come humbly before you and to seek your direction. God's grace covers me. His love saves me. His unconditional love washes away every multitude of my sin. I praise him for these gifts. I praise God for his hand in our lives and his love. Praise God for leaders who seek his face and have a passion to see us, the church, profess to everyone his great love for them. I praise God for the awesome gift of my wife and best friend. She's perfectly equipped to handle all of my faults and shortcomings and still love me unconditionally. A one-of-a-kind, awesome, perfect gift from God. Praise God for peace in times of uncertainty. I praise God that no matter how many times I mess up, he still loves and forgives me. Praise God for his faithfulness to always provide for our family. God's grace daily, or God's grace daily, his unconditional love, and new mercies every morning. I praise God for the daily grace and wisdom that he freely gives us. His love always endures and never fails. Praise God for humbling me and teaching me that I must rely on his strength and power and that he is able to do abundantly more than I can ever ask or imagine. I praise God for the health of me and my family, and I also thank him for the health of the Bowman's new baby, Josie. Praise God for giving hope and strength in the midst of trials. Praise God that he loves me so much more than I deserve and can even comprehend, that he sacrificed his blameless son so I can be with him for eternity. I'm thankful for my community group. They're a wonderful group of loving, caring Christians, and I feel blessed to be a part of our group. Through different trials, car problems, sickness, and unknowns throughout the past two weeks, when we felt like it was too much to bear, the Lord was there. He supplied every need, and we had peace knowing he's always in control. Praise God for giving me a family that loves me, and that God forgives me even when I can't forgive myself. I praise God for our daughter's terrific development through preschool this year. Praise God that he's faithful all of the time, even through all the storms in my life. Praise God for my family and for his love, mercy, and grace that he shows us daily. 
I praise you, Father, for being who you are. Without you, I am nothing. Your love pierces and fills me. Rescue me with all of you. I am yours forever. Thank you, Father. I love you so much. Praise God for Noah Bezik and the wonderful testimony the Bezics have for Christ. Praise you, God, for being our guide, our protector, and our creator, creator of all of humanity, near and far. I praise you, Lord, for making me your beloved and your friend, and for, his moment, and for this moment and for this breath. I thank you for the peace of knowing you hold every moment and every breath I take. I praise God for my wonderful wife and for the health and happiness of my children. God is always faithful, unconditionally loving and full of grace, unchanging his attitude and his heart towards me, no matter what I do, how much I sin, how much I fear and lack, he is the same. He constantly exchanges my sin for glory, my fear for faith, my anxiety for peace, and my concern for hope. God is good. I praise God for a strong marriage that's rooted in God's love. I'm so thankful for God's all-knowing sovereignty. Despite the appearance of pure chaos, he is in complete control. When I grasp who he is, fear is traded for hope desperation for inspiration, tears for joy, poverty for richness, alone for adopted, abundantly dead traded for abundantly alive. Hallelujah, what a God we serve. Amen, let's clap our hands, yeah. That's awesome. I think that was the sermon in and of itself, that's great. Thanks guys for sharing that. Uh, we're gonna be dismissed now, so we'll see you out in the comments in just a few. Thanks so much for being here, God bless you.